Welcome to episode 191 of the Bitcoin podcast. Um, your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, Dimitrik. And Lamar. host number three, Corey. Corey Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've, been a, I've made it a good run of just making Tell fun me. of the way you introduce yourself the past couple episodes. Yeah. Today, we have an extra special guest, blockchain beard guy. Why don't you? Uh, hey, thanks, guys. Why don't you give us a quick introduction on uh, who you are and how you got into this space and what you do? Yeah, you bet. So, um, my name in real life is Chris Bennett. Um, I come from a twenty-year background in custom software development and consultancy, and uh, got into to blockchain really hardcore about a year ago um, when I was tasked by my company to go out and kind of explore it as an emerging technology. And um, as as you guys probably know, it's it's the biggest red pill of your life. So um, once I dug in and found out what it was all about, I just got really excited. And uh, part of what I'm trying to do is is I see that there are a lot of really really bright minds in the space right now but uh, not a lot of experience with what i bring to the table which is how do you actually build a custom solution deliver on time on budget hitting client expectations um you know so i'm just trying to bring some of that discipline into the space and then uh, my, my main goal with blockchain beard guy is just spreading the word about blockchain and crypto and um, doing it in a very easy, non-technical way that doesn't scare people off and shows them that no matter what your background or what you're into, there's a place in this uh, space for you. So that's me. I like nice. that. You, I like the politically correct way that you just said, yeah, you know, there's not a lot of experience in, you know, actually building things in the space. <laughs> um, um, I guess I couldn't slide that one past you, huh? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of really great, smart people, well, but they don't know what the fuck they're doing, so... <laughs> uh, all right well at least it came across diplomat I'll, I'll <laughs> well welcome to the show it's defensible though it's it's such a young space i agree you making a matrix reference means we're going to be best friends uh all oh, right on <laughs> well you, you, you had me with the ethereum t-shirt so uh we're, we're off to a good start my friend cool so i got i was asking you before the show why not distributed ledger technology guy? Just because of the op, because <laughs> of how it sounds. I, you know, it's I. I didn't even really think about it. I just I got this idea one day and uh, to start vlogging and doing videos and the uh, blockchain beer guy just popped in my head and I, I went with it. I, I don't know. I'm one of those that if I start to overthink it, it just doesn't work out well. So I, I just kind of <laughs> fly with the first stupid thought that comes in my head. You realize you you can no longer have the option of getting rid of your beard, right? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that 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 was there from the beginning. Um, my my <laughs> wife married me like this, so she has no idea what I look like, and uh, I'm pretty sure she doesn't want to know. So I'm <laughs> I'm kind of stuck with that, regardless of what I do in blockchain. <laughs> That's pretty funny. She's just like shave one day, just blow her mind. <laughs> I think she'd, she'd shoot me. <laughs> Walk in the house, she'd have no idea who I was. Lock yourself in that room for three years. Oh, I'd scare the shit out of the dogs, back. too. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what, what made you uh, like, like you said you took the red pill. From, from like our experience interviewing talk, and talking to lots of people, everyone gets into it from somewhat of a different perspective or reason why. Like why... What made you think this is something worth pursuing and spending a lot of your time? Like, because coming from software development, it's not like traditional software development has like gone away or the fad is over. There's plenty of work to be done there and plenty of things to learn. Why well, spend a lot of the time focused on blockchain now from your perspective? And I, I love that question. So what it was for me, um, I'm, I'm 41 years old. So I got to, I was in high school, early years of college when the internet came out. And, uh, you know, I, as it was coming out, I, everyone knew it's just going to change the world. Nothing's ever going to be the same. And, uh, you know, I, I just wasn't old enough or far enough in my career. I could really get on the field and play and be a part of it. And so I always thought, Man, I'm I'm lucky I just got to live to see this once in a lifetime event. And then 20 years went by and blockchain comes out and I went, holy shit, this is the internet all over again. And now I'm actually on the field. Now I can play. Now I can be a part of it. Um, so like just just seeing that that level of change is going to come to the world and I'm in a position where I, I get to actually be a part of it and control, you know, help drive and influence how, how it goes out. Um, man, how, how could I say no to that? That was just way too exciting. Yeah, we, we ourselves call that the dual revolution. I said it, it's very rare that in one lifetime you see something innovative like the internet and then still be alive to see something like the blockchain. So it's very rare that two big, big things like that in such a short amount of time come to light. Oh, and it's it's not just, I mean, it's happening all over the world. I mean, we're we're back out in space now, you know, and, and we're going to make a run at Mars. I mean, we're we're going to see a second planet come into the human economy in our lifetime. Like you thought the Louisiana That's... Purchase was big? <laughs> Guess what's coming? Yeah, it's uh, the fact that Elon Musk thinks he can get people to Mars on like a, in, in like three years. No, next year he said. Yeah, but like realistically, when they're there and back. Yeah, it's yeah, it's that's that's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm prepared to fight an interplanetary revolutionary war. I went. I've <laughs> I gone from changing the TV channel with my hand to going to Mars in a <laughs> lifetime. How are you changing the TV channel with your hand? What are you doing? Minority the Report TV, Clubs? The TV box sets, dude. You had to walk up to the TV and you had to touch the channel changer and then you had like oh. six six stations that didn't come That's in very well. That's what you meant. I thought you meant like Minority Report. No, I'm not. Netflix. Searching. No, that's not, a, that's not that far of a leap going from that to, no. to Mars. Yeah, I mean, how, how far are you from just having something right on your temple, you know, and you just, you're thinking all that. Sign me up. Channel. Sign me yeah. up. I'm into it. Yeah, that's a Black Mirror episode. We're not too far off. <laughs> and there's there's actually a brilliant woman on on LinkedIn. Her name is Charlie Gerard, and she posted something a couple months ago. She'd actually she's got some kind of 
I don't know, thing on her head that's reading her brainwaves and she wrote a JavaScript library to interface with it. And she's showing a little video of her just moving a block around on a screen with her mind. That's... And uh, I, I think what's cool about that is she doesn't even work in tech. She doesn't come from a tech background. She's just fascinated by it. So she goes home at night and hacks on this and that's what she's doing. It's pretty crazy. I think we've gotten to the point now where like, tech is so far that you don't, like no one really, like some people work in tech, but everybody works in tech. Like it's, it's you don't it it interfaces with every yeah. aspect of of human civilization now if you want to be in your field tech will be a part of it because it's so pervasive and everyone nowadays like knows how to program like knowing how to program is just a natural skill set you have to have to get through life nowadays because you need to talk to computers and if in programming is just learning the language that computers speak and so if you want to be a human especially as a kid growing up with a, you know, with a, with a good skill set, guess what you have to do with, with your life? Talk to computers. So it's just natural nowadays. I, exactly. You know, and I, I mean, going back to the earlier question, how I got into this and, you know, hey, there's, there's still plenty of work in traditional software. You know, why, why are you jumping into this space? Like, maybe there's not that much work for that much longer because it, it is becoming commoditized. I, I think what's really cool now is, <clears throat> I, I mean, you got you guys look younger than me, but you're probably old enough to remember like when we were growing up, it like, being tech was kind of a nerdy thing. Like it, it it was the exception, not the rule. And now it's it's cool. The narrative has changed. Like if you can write code, that's some gangster shit now. That's really really cool <laughs> to, to kind of see pop culture change that and and what the downstream effect of that's going to be in twenty thirty years. I think is just going to be amazing. Yeah, I can't wait till like. Rappers are talking about their JavaScript code. <laughs> I think I, it's it's funny, man. Like I I hear more more up and coming musicians and artists and writers who know about blockchain than, than I go into and, and talk to C level executives. Like it's it's a technology that's coming from the ground up. Yeah, we were at a conference and I met a UFC fighter and a rapper more, and I was like, I thought it was going to be none but CEOs. And there's just so many walks of life. People trying to get interested. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So crazy space. You know, going on to what the scenery, the optics look like of the space. Um, it's a good time to discuss. So there was, I think this would be the third time across the network we brought this up. But you know, John Oliver at a show. Do you watch Last Week Tonight, Chris? The with John Oliver. Um, you know, I've I've seen the clips. Uh, I I cut the cord like ten years ago. <laughs> nice. Um. Well, he had an episode about the ICOs. Uh, and, well, no, just the blockchain industry as a whole. And it kind of highlighted some, uh, I don't know, what do you call them, sour patches of the industry. And mm -hmm. so, so how do you feel about um, that ICO craze that happened in the last quarter, maybe the last half of the year? Actually, no, it was all of last year. There were billions of dollars raised on ICOs and not all of them good. Um, just from a general optics point, do you think that's going to have long-term damage to the entire industry or it was just a growing pains? You know, I, I think there's short-term damage and I think there's long-term growing pains. You know, it's, to me, it's, it's so parallel to where we were, you know, 20, 25 years ago with dot-com and IPOs and everyone wanting to get in on that. And, and that kind of became a shady thing for a while and, and the market cleaned itself up. And 
Um, you know, I, I think 2018, and, and I think everyone kind of feels this coming, is going to be the year of regulation. Like the, the hammer's coming down. And I actually think that's, that's a really good thing because that's going to put a lot of legitimacy back into ICOs. And, I, you know, to me what's interesting about ICOs is it, it's showing that there's a huge amount of pent-up demand from, you know, what I call micro-investors like me, the self-made hundred airs who want to throw a little <laughs> bit of money into, into the ring and play around. Um, you know, but it's, if, if, if you're not connected, if you don't have you know, two or three orders of magnitude more money than you're planning on investing, like you can't get into the traditional channels. You can't get into an IPO. Um, you know, so this is kind of letting the, the average everyday Joe get in and invest in startups. And um, it may not be ICOs, but I think the market's going to recognize all that pent up demand and, and find some way, you know. Wall Street isn't stupid. When they see all that money sitting on the sideline and, and they think they have a chance to get it, they'll figure out a way. Yeah, it's, it's this, I agree. this thing like it's the tick, 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 Bitcoin has always been a technology of inclusion and blockchain has followed suit and like trying to allow people to do things that never had the ability to do them beforehand. And especially when it comes to like traditional money services. So like Bitcoin brought um, banking to a lot of people that never had it blockchain and other crypt cryptocurrencies are doing the same thing and the technologies are basically recreating a lot of the financial instruments that have been available to so few people and exposing them to the globe and it's not surprising that we're just right now basically just learning how to rebuild all the stuff we already have with a new technology and nothing really crazily new is coming in we're just doing the things we know how to do already but more efficiently. And I think we'll see that for a little while. And we're seeing like a lot of people recreate a lot of the like big money instruments. Wall Street's jumping in. They're just going to recreate all the things they know how to do and they're going to make a ton of money. But I'm, I'm kind of curious as to like what, what new shit are we going to come up with that we just don't, like we can't like the Facebook of blockchain, you know, like how, as, as the infrastructure grows, there's going to be a lot of emergent technologies that only show themselves once we get used to kind of playing around on the new infrastructure. But that hasn't seemed to have happened yet. Like, what do you think, what do you think we're going to end up kind of doing or seeing that's like hard to fathom right now because we have this new technology? I, man, that's, that's a great question. If I knew the exact answer, by the way, I'd, I'd be talking you'd be to you rich. Some on my own <laughs> island, right? And you'd all be there with me, by the way. But, uh, you know, in, until that time, like, I, I think when these new technologies come along, they, they kind of operate in two phases, right? They, they take existing paradigms and they change them, make a little bit more efficient, you know, and that, that's kind of some of what we're seeing with blockchain. And then the other, the big change you're speaking to is when technology gives human beings a new way to communicate that they couldn't before. So the, the, the internet was big because it, it didn't make your traditional crappy long distance phone service better. It gave you whole new tools to communicate with anybody around the world. And web 2.0, social media was huge because it, it just didn't improve email and discussion forums and everything we were doing at that time. It, it gave us whole new avenues to communicate. Um, so I, I think that's what blockchain is going to do. You know, what it exactly looks like, I don't know. But once we see a blockchain-based technology that lets humans communicate in a whole new way that they haven't before, then, then that's when I know that's the one. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm here. That's, that's what I'm looking forward to. That's, that's the reason why I continue to, to look into this stuff and try and research. Because I, I want to see that happen. 
I want to be a part of making that happen. I want to talk to the people who are also making that happen. I think that's, that's what excites me about all this is the idea or thought that I get to witness and help usher in something that's going to change the way humans interact with each other. And, and since money is so intrinsically involved with how this, this technology works, I'll probably, you know, it, it's going to be lucrative too. Somehow or another. So nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of go back to the little chat we were having, you know, before the show started. Like we're, we're going to Mars, right? It's, it's happening. We're, in the next ten years, we're, we're gonna have people living on Mars, and then for the first time ever, we're a multiplanetary society. And the economic effect, we, we are bringing a second planet into the human economy. Like that's, that's huge. And there's no way that that economy is going to work if everything is still centralized with wall street banks. There has to be some kind of decentralization just cause it's a 26 minute round trip at light speed. Like it's just not that efficient. It's not going to scale. So yeah, it's, it's going to be huge. And I, I think the people that are dismissing how big it's going to be right now, aren't looking at what's going on in the background and some of the advancements in other areas and, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's always the people that fight change, change in many forms, but especially with technological change. And there's just layers of them too. There's some people that are like, they don't want to physically change their habits. And then there's people that are like financially um, obligated to the system that's in place, the one that's being disrupted. So I was, know, people will get, they'll get used to it. I was just listening yeah. to a Joe Rogan episode where they were talking about it was with uh I forget off the top of my head. Um Brian Callen was the episode and they were talking about it's something some absurd number of people, almost like some some absurd percentage of the American population has less than five hundred dollars in their bank account. Which means that like and they're and kind of extrapolating from that, like they don't a lot of people don't have time to even think about this stuff or care. They're just trying to get their kids to college, pay the bills. And yeah. And and if we want to talk about mass adoption, it's like it's it has to be invading their life until it's 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 changing. So we're it's it's trying to think about how far we along in this technology and where we have to go is that if until those people care then we're not we're not we're not there yet. And we have and in we're kind of playing playing along with this toy and I kind of I don't know what it's going to take to get to that or what it's going to be like when when they see it but the majority of people don't don't have time to think about money and I and that's a kind of like going off into a different tangent this technology kind of forces you to think about money whereas other technologies just needed to be there at a level of uh kind of ease until people started using it but as people jump into this we're teaching an entire younger generation how to think about money yeah and that's going to become the background money or or value okay it's the 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 capital m money like like the the idea of money and how to think about it whereas as we grew up it was just a means to an end you get it you pay your bills is is there going to be such a like a when this is becomes the everyday standard, is it, are you going to be able to not, to go through your life and not think about money like you can today? Can you just coast 
just to get by because money's a means to an end or like because it's so pervasive and different, are you going to be forced to actually think about how you use your money? It's a little different for sure, especially retirement because before it's like, oh, well, you have to you have to make sure you have enough money to live at age 65. But now with the internet, you can own your own business well into your 80s and 90s. So I don't think it's so, uh, you know, important to have a nest egg as it was back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think we're also talking in a, in a, in like a bubble, an, an American, not an Americanized bubble. You know what I mean? Like our challenges aren't the majority of the world's challenges. And the way we think about money is definitely not the way the majority of the world thinks about money and value. So we have to keep that in mind too. Yeah. Well, Chris, you said that um, we're collectively ill-equipped to recognize change as it's occurring. Why do you think that is? I'd say it's just evolution, right? I think it's the human brain. I mean, it's <clears throat> if, if, if you're trying to avoid lions and tigers and bears while you're out there hunting and gathering and trying to survive with your tribe, you know, it, it only really benefits you to, to think maybe a couple days in the future but it's we just didn't evolve for it and it's a very different kind of thinking mm-hmm. skill and i think i don't know I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent here but you, you hear a lot of people talk about creativity um you know like it's some kind of inborn trait and i have this idea that we're just all creative we all kind of get this but it's the process along the way that beats it out of you and discourages that kind of thinking you know i think it's the same way with with seeing this kind of level of change um, you know, we're, we're all capable of doing it, but we've just been conditioned that that's not a productive way to think and get your head out of the clouds and, you know, that, that kind of thing. So we just get it beat out of us. Yeah. Don't worry about tangents. We live in the tangents. <laughs> Speaking of something you just said. I'm uh, loving this show more every minute. <laughs> uh, What's up, Chris? There's what this quote. I got a quote. It's like, I think it was Henry Ford. Here it is. Um, Faster horses. Many people miss opportunity because they came disguised in overalls. It looks a lot like work. <laughs> it, it's, it's, that's kind of the idea that, like, yeah, that everyone has the ability to do any of this, but it's not easy. Yeah. It doesn't just come naturally. It doesn't just, you, anybody can do anything if they're willing to put in the work for it. And a lot of people don't want to put in the work for it. He was in his 40s before he started living the Rack City life. like i read that the other day like i've I've grown under this like i guess false imaginative i don't know i i thought henry ford was balling his whole life but he didn't really revolutionize anything until his 40s i never knew that all right i still got time Uh, yeah Yeah, morgan freeman wasn't in his first movie until he was like 46 yeah, makes me feel good when I hear stories like that. Because I, I mean, I mean, if, if you think ahead. about it, the, the way medicine's going and technology and all that, I mean, I, I fully expect we're still going to be sitting here doing the same kind of shit, you know, at a hundred. So yes, I mean, if there's another sixty, seventy years on the clock, we're not even close to halftime right now. I don't know. I kind of drink too much. I might not be able to make it that long. Yep, I'm not <laughs> making it that long. Yeah. All right, well, I do the same. So you guys will be my canaries in the coal mine. As soon as the first one of us drops, we know time's up. All right. Um, well, uh, Cello, why don't you hit hit them with an yeah. advertisement? Yeah, Ophelia. 
Why don't you hit yeah, them with an I'm advertisement, on. and then we'll move over to the interview, and then we'll, we'll pick this up on the back end. You want me to do the ad, Jello? Because well, there's there. there's two things. Um, we don't have an interview, but oh, I will sweet. Do the Let's ads. just keep this going. Yeah, we could just if you don't want to break momentum, uh, we could just do this at the end or nope. Do it now hit him with a. I'll hit him with a quick ad. Uh, so my wife loves the meat. She is really into. <laughs> large pieces of quality meat and lucky for her the bitcoin podcast is sponsored by butcher box that delivers a whole month of good outstanding quality meat to our door talking grass-fed farm-raised etc all the all the good things you want to hear about the meat that's coming to your door is what they have and We've been trying it lately. Talking about Butcher Box. Talking about Butcher Box. That stuff is the bomb. I actually just fried up some, some of the bacon that they sent with us, and it is it's quite delicious. Cello, you want to give them the specifics on how they can get some of that meat? Yeah, go ahead. Pause. Where'd you get that mid-90s sling from mm-hmm. out of the blue? What you talking about? That shit is the bomb. Yeah, sometimes you got to harken back to uh, quality mid-90s slang. Is there ever a bad time for it? No, I, I guess not. I guess not. D, have you been have you been broken it out of your freezer yet and tried it? I uh, I did eat some of the steak. It was really good. It's good Are you meat. lying to us? Well, well that's an endorsement. No, it's good meat. I don't know what you want me. Wait a second. Let me try this again. Well, I make make your wife happy with some quality meat by going to butcherbox.com and getting your meat today. Um, I don't have a wife. I'm a single dude. But let me tell you how this meat changed my life. I cooked this meat for a woman, and she ate it, and it was a great date. The end. Terrible, this. Butcher box. (laughs) Uh, Quality cuts of meat from farmers who take care of their animals, treat them humanely, like Corey said, and feed them a diet they were actually meant to eat. That's going to equal better meat. So visit butcherbox.com, enter the code Bitcoin at checkout, get $10 off and free bacon in your first box. And the box is off. Uh, is it $10 off? I thought it was 10% off. I've been telling everyone 10% off. It's about the same. I mean, it's about 120 bucks. So okay. and it, you get 11 pounds of, uh, of chicken, beef and pork. So it's, it's a good deal all around. Mm-hmm. All right. Back to Bitcoin. Cool. All right. Yeah, jingle or. Oh, yeah, you got a jingle, don't you, D? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlike what you're used to, this is meat you can't beat. There you go. All right, good I job. think Chris is sold. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Can, can you pay in crypto? Uh, nope. <laughs> probably <laughs> not. <laughs> but entering the code Bitcoin at checkout is as close as you're going to get. All we right. Well, hey, that's, that's that. further than most retailers have gotten. We should get them on the show and ask them if we can show them how to take crypto. We will. I bet you they'd be obliged. I bet you they'd be pleasantly, uh, they'd, they'd, they'd be happy to come on the show. What's the benefits? What's the benefits of taking crypto? Let's, let's, let's try and, let's try and like figure out why a business such as ButcherBox would, would start taking crypto. Like, why would they do it? What's, what's good about another, it? Another way to accept money because you know they're going to convert it immediately in the field. Yep. That's the leading way right there. Yeah. Uh, it's another way to take people that want to give you money to take that money. And if we've learned anything from Amazon, 
you make it really, really easy for people to give you money. So I don't know, Chris, what do you think? wants to give you that. Man, I'll, I'll go a different way and I'll say it's not even about taking the money, like just what it'll do for your brand, you know, make you look like this is the highest tech butcher shop outfit in on planet earth, you know, and appeal to a whole different kind of demographic that I'm sure nobody in that space is appealing to. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm this huge believer in don't do what everyone else is doing. Just go find the white space and go fill that. So yeah, be, be the first online butcher shop to take crypto and introduce yourself to a whole new crowd. So I'm going to be contrarian here and say, nothing it does nothing for a company to start accepting crypto <laughs> other than some bit of branding like, there has to be something we're doing here that will make merchants better off otherwise yeah, what's I the mean, point the tech's not there yet but when it is there they accept it because it'll be really really low fees at 100 percent uptime on a payments network yeah i guess the volatility hurts them because i mean it yeah. is uh, I mean, it's not much faster than credit cards, but you, it's, it's certainly, uh, censorship resistant and easy and doesn't require like middlemen. And it is fast, if, especially in terms of the global sense. I've been, I've been declined a lot of times for stuff I try to buy online overseas and it's just annoying or limits and so on and so forth. Like volatility keeps companies from doing it and holding on to it. I think it's just one of those things like it, it, it behooves a company to start accepting this stuff because when it does change a company's kind of operational procedures or efficiencies or so on and so forth, they'll be ready for it and they'll be able to kind of start gaining the advantage from it when it's available as opposed to someone who tries to kind of be like a, a me too status of, oh, I, I'm going to hop on the bandwagon now. Well, it depends on the stage of what, what, where the, um, where this, I guess, this financial vessel is, and if it ever becomes a currency, um, as a storage of value, it's not, it was, uh, it's not proven itself in the last two years, hell, in the last ten, as something that really, really, really holds value, um, but as a medium exchanger's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Square did a little survey and turns out 60% of the people that are using their software want to take Bitcoin or would it take Bitcoin, would take Bitcoin. A 60% is a pretty big chunk of that pie. You know what I'm saying? Talk about pie charts. So um, I think we're not that far from it being a medium exchange. Now, in order for it to be like prolifer like proliferated and like a super saturated humanity using it, um, as currency, it has to be a unit account because businesses had to account for their units. So we're we're like twenty years. What about before. the Lightning Network? Does the Lightning Network help merchants at all in the last two days? Oh yeah. Um, oh, two yeah. days. Well, it launched on the mainnet. Well, yesterday, two yeah. days ago. The first beta, public beta, in the in the, the on the mainnet. Yeah, the Lightning Network on the mainnet is pretty big, actually. You know, like twelve hundred nodes. D and I, I were talking about. Of... Oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh no, sorry. You go. Yeah, you might have something to add to this, but um, B and D were talking about how you can receive payments when you're offline now. It works on your cell phone, and you can receive 
without having any Bitcoin in the first place, and that's just going to speed up adoption. Yeah, I, I think what's kind of interesting is, you know, step outside of America and, and go down to Venezuela, you know, for example, and all the political turmoil and strife down there and the hyperinflation yeah. that's caused. So, you know, when, when that happens, everyone's trying to take their local currency and, and go to the black market and convert it to dollars or, or some other stable fiat. And, and that becomes dangerous. You know, you, you're sending people out with large amounts of cash to go meet strangers in back alleys in exchange for other large amounts of cash. Um, and, and there's a lot of stories of businesses over there that have switched over to accepting crypto. And, uh, you know, some of the, the last six months of last year, just the appreciation in price. Um, you know, a lot of people were saying, hey, that, that's the only way I could keep making payroll and keep my employees working. And so it saved a lot of too. So it, it may be more of a luxury for us, but I, I think there are other parts of the world where it just serve some basic needs. Um, I mean, they're merchants over there that, that are closing out their stores every day and they don't count out the drawers. They put the cash on the scales because it's so worthless. They can just estimate by how many pounds of cash they have. It's easier running it up. Mm. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's, Did you guys hear yeah. about Donald Trump taking aim at Venezuelan government to restrict uh, digital currency to be used as transactions? Yeah, they, I mean, anybody could see from like miles away they were doing that to to get around sanctions. Um, I just don't like that headline. They were like, what did they say? They're going to try to eliminate the Venezuelan Bitcoin. It's like, damn, you just got to throw Bitcoin in the dirt mix, don't you? Got it that had nothing to do with Bitcoin whatsoever. Well, I think that goes to show the level of intelligence that people who are reporting about this stuff or or making decisions about this type of stuff have about blockchain and cryptocurrencies is that they just associate everything with, with Bitcoin because they don't know any better. They, think they just say cryptocurrency is Bitcoin, Bitcoin is cryptocurrency because they can't under, like wrap their heads around that all of these things are completely different networks that have nothing to do with each other. Well, they, they believe Venezuela is at the vanguard of cryptocurrencies, at the vanguard of technology and the economy. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a country that made a country, country, countrywide decision to implement a cryptocurrency. Granted, they probably have ulterior motives about why they did it and how they're doing it and what, how well they did it. And as Americans, I think if you invest in it, you're, you're actually violating the trade agreement that we have across the country or something. It's, it's probably not advisable to, to, as an American to invest in this Venezuelan petrodollar, whatever it's called. But yeah, like, I'd it's, say you should stay away from that. It's, it's a pretty cool <laughs> state of affairs if countries are making countrywide decisions to start using this stuff in, in big countries that have serious economic issues. Yep. I think yeah, that, a, um, go ahead, Chris. Oh, so I was just saying, you know, there's, there's a paper that came out a couple of years ago that the Bank of England did, and it was looking at um, major developed countries and what the impact would be of partially replacing their fiat with crypto. Um, and, and they were talking about introducing crypto to buy back national debt up to about 30% of GDP. If you do that, one of the really interesting things that happens is you now have a second lever for quantitative easing. 
So, you know, right now the Fed controls the money supply with just one lever. Imagine if, if we had two, you know, how much more sophisticated we could be and how much more nuanced control we'd have over the economy. So even for, <clears throat> for non-Venezuela type countries, countries where things are going pretty well, um, there's some really, really interesting benefits and use cases to, to adopting crypto instead of trying to fight it. I agree wholeheartedly, but I would rather the smaller countries fuck it up so we can learn from their lessons first. <laughs> Go Petro. <laughs> Let's learn from other people's mistakes in this new nascent market of worldwide economic power. Vote for Petro. Um, <laughs> I think that one, like, I think we're misguided in thinking that cryptocurrency is going to take hold in the US and the UK. Uh, more Western civ countries first. There's just mm -hmm. no need for it. I could have five credit cards by five o'clock PM right now if I wanted to. I'd get every single one of them. Like that access to capital just exists. Um, now you t turn back the clock like a decade to some countries in Africa where their economy was so bad, the currency was so bad, they were like, let's just not even use this. You know what's more valuable to me? My cell phone minutes. How about I give you five cell phone minutes and you give me this thing full of groceries? And they were like, you know what? That's a good deal because I use my cell phone more than I use my money. And then you've now, and the 10 years later, we have M-Pesa, which is one of the most glorious cases of people innovating to just have commerce for themselves. So I don't, I don't think cryptocurrency is really going to take off and western civilizations because there's just no need for it and like you say all the time Corey, if there's no need for utility then it's just not going to be used right if anything we're going to figure a way to make money off of it because that's what we do but in other nations they're actually going to use it and they're going to need it and it's going to become part of their everyday life that's why you're seeing most of the talk and at least in the united states be around um how wall street is taking hold of this and repurposing or retooling a lot of the things that they do and the regulation around it is that those are the people who want and i guess need to use it to make what they do better not access to banking services that's not the reason why americans seem to be taking off with it but the technology is way more i guess in its in its niche or what it's good for or what's revolutionary about it is the is the places like that don't have traditional banking infrastructure that's going to be cool. And they're the ones that are going to take off with it in a way that, like, I guess the original people who started cryptocurrencies, like the, the early Bitcoin cypherpunks, cared about. That, like, ideology that got pushed early on, that's where I think that's where, it, like, that ideology can, can hold on and stays because they're going to end up using it for the reasons that they cared about. And Americans won't because, like you said, you can get credit cards anywhere, anytime you want. You know, we have access to whatever we, we don't not only do we have like access to them we have a plethora of options and how we choose to get them it's not just like oh we have one we can, we can go to whatever bank you want get whatever services you want it, it's too much almost in terms of what we have what we have access to where other people simply can't they have a hard time holding their money in some place that's safe and or getting money from other people for services that they offer or giving it to other people for things that they want. And like if they can't even do simple transactions with the people around them because they don't have access to simple banking infrastructure, I, th I think this technology can help them out. Yeah. 
Yeah, so here's a question for you guys. If if countries like the US are gonna be the last to adopt it, you know, how how does that change geopolitical power structures over the next 50 years? Like does America pull the Microsoft in the third quarter and you know, open up the checkbook and and jump into the race based on the success everyone else has had? Or are we just getting left behind in the dust and there's going to be a whole new world order? I don't think we're going to be the leader, but we're definitely going to be a follower once we realize, once America wisens up to like, I think the American mentality is like, oh, hell no, we're, we're going to win this. They just <laughs> don't quite know. We just don't quite know like, that the opportunity is there yet and some of the smaller countries who are vying to get positions of power and and kind of become world leaders are going to jump in this space head first because they see the opportunity and they have like it's the risk is worth it to them because the potential is so great yeah you know i don't know this is interesting that's a very interesting question because when you look at um emergent technology in other countries usually it's very pragmatically used like for instance like some countries like in south america like entire families not just like a close nuclear family but like the extended family as well they'll just have like one or two cars right everybody will use the one or two cars they'll go into the town with the one or two cars everybody shares the car one random uncle maintains the car like that's just kind of like it's very pragmatic so I think like from user adoption, America still might outpace these other countries as soon as we put the regulations in place to use this stuff. Um, I think that, I think we still might outpace those other countries when it comes to user adoption, just because, um, I don't know, we're like hyper consumerists. Like we have an entire aisle for cereal, so we we're gonna we're we're gonna outpace user adoption as soon as as soon as the rules are laid out like hey this is how you can operate i think we're gonna start outpacing everyone because we're a nation that's kind of like built on technology it's kind of how we roll so that's my opinion i don't know one interesting idea i, I keep hearing float around kind of on the edges of this space is, you know, if, if, if crypto takes off and money no longer becomes a thing tied to a nation state, do, do we move into a period of history where we witness the decline of a nation state and go back more to the city state model or, or something else? Like do national level politics even matter in a hundred years or is there a, a new system in place? I don't know. You know, I think humans are pretty tribal by nature. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting to think about like what the definitions of tribe are and how they change based on how the like economic model is. Like if, if we'll see something like that, what will, because humans are always going to rally and say, like, and do like an us versus them mentality because it's, it's the easiest way to get along with your peers is to join forces to hate on something else. And a lot of <laughs> communities will do that. And I think that's like throughout history, that's the, that's, we've shown that humans will do that regardless of like how forward we are. And if we lose the nation state, what be, then becomes the tribe? Well, I think that, I think that it kind of touches on, I think there's like, there's geographical happenstance of historical technological advancement. I think the more concentrated a population is, 
the more technology advanced it has to be. Um, and I think what allows for that technological advancement is just like being able to, to, to be a community with someone that you live next to. Um, because the reason I say that is like, if you look back, like Europe was a little bit more techno technologically advanced than the rest of the nation whenever it started to stake its claim on everything. And I think what forced that is because like the people live so close together that they couldn't afford to not get along or they would just kill each other. So they were like, okay, we've got to figure out how to get along. We need like some sort of advanced economy. We need some tools. We got to like, we just got to do cool shit. We got to do something and figure this out. And I think that the tribal, the tribalism you're speaking to, Corey, goes away as, po as populations concentrate. So this overpopulation thing that everybody's worried about, I actually kind of want it to happen. Because then at least we're all going to be forced <laughs> to get along. And then maybe we we'll find faster solutions to do better things and go better places. I don't think that's the I'm case. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, fuck away. And then we'll, <laughs> we'll build some space farms or something. We'll figure this shit out. But let's get people close together so they're forced to get along. You don't need to be right. close together anymore. That's the it's like what the internet brought. You don't have you don't yeah. you can you can be along to a tribe that's decentralized no, that's across false. the entire that's entire false world. Because I could talk shit to a person across the globe. I'm never forced to get along with that person ever because they're not right next to me. They're mm -hmm. not right next to me. Like I'm, I'm never forced to to build any sort of systems of communication in the physical world or solve any sorts of problems with someone right next to me. You are you are forced. You kind of, Go ahead. I, I was going to say, aren't, aren't you kind of if you want to do something productive? Like, yes. I, I mean, if all you want to do is be a troll, that's yeah. Cool, but I don't but... think I don't think everybody's natural tendency is. I think people go from zero to I don't like this person a lot faster than they go to I want to build something awesome with this. Yes. Person. Yeah, I'll agree that. And I think the more land space you have, like for instance, let's just take Africa. There was a lot of places to go if you didn't like someone. Like, I don't fucking like you. I'm going to walk 35 miles to the left and start my own tribe <laughs> and do my own thing. But in Europe, it was like, I don't like you. I'm going to go, oh, damn, there's a castle right there. Well, I'm going to go down. The Fuck, there's a castle right there, too. Well, I'm going to build a castle right here and then make it really big and then try to get along with these other people. Wait, you want to change that? That's oh. already, it's already a perfect system. <laughs> perfect. The, the, underlying, the underlying thing here that you're talking about, the reason why that's... that like what you're talking about is, is because there was a scarcity. And when there's not a scarcity, it's, you don't have that problem. And since we've created digital scarcity, you're going to see the same type of things happen, just not on a land-based model. Ooh, it's going to be, it's, now. you're going to be seeing people vie for some type of like, the scarcity makes communities. And when you have a large, a certain amount of scarcity, depending on like how many people that can sustain or, or like have, then that's how big your community is. If you have a giant landmass, then you create a community that that can handle that landmass. That's the scarcity that you're dealing with. So whatever cryptocurrency or blockchain scarcity that exists, that's the size of the community that it can maintain. And that's what you're going to see just on a global scale. That's the networks that those those are the things that we're building. And it, it plays in with exactly what you just said. It's just the scarcity was land. But in a digital era, that's not the scarcity anymore. But we're going to see the same thing recreate.
in the communities that this scarcity has has created. Mm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of progress has been made because three years ago we we wouldn't be able to have that conversation. We were just talking about bankers cutting out a couple of intermediaries. Now Chris is talking about cross geographic groups established on networks versus nation states, and you guys are talking about society reorganization around new crypto mechanisms and protocols. So that sounds like a fantastic segue to another sponsor that we have. Yeah. um, With that being said, let's talk about March Madness. (laughs) That's not the one I was thinking (laughs) of. I know. know. (laughs) I'm just playing around. Yeah. um, We are supported by the, the good folks at my crypto. They're uh they're a client-side tool for generating Ether wallets, handling ERC-20 tokens, and interacting with the Ethereum blockchain way more easily. Uh, they've gone through a, a recent refresh, and uh, the same core team is there. Uh, they still operate a compliant, fully transparent organization, um, and they're just balancing all the interests involved, and they're there to help. So contact support at mycrypto.com. They'll always get back to you. They're handing out stickers, shirts. Uh, they're in beta, so it's a good time to be alive. Uh, they've been around since 2015. And quite frankly, they're just focused on building awesome products to put the power in people's hands. So uh, visit MyCrypto.com. Follow them on Twitter at MyCrypto. If you want to use their beta, go to beta.mycrypto.com. In my opinion, it's way better than the old version. Yes. Better. It's a better beta. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what do you think? What do you want to? What do you want? Where do you want to go with this one? You know, I'm I'm kind of curious. Just uh, you, you guys were touching on a little bit in that last segment there. I mean, you're you're 191 episodes in now, and you were talking about how the narrative of the conversations really changed over that. Like, I, I'm just curious to hear more about that. Like, you know, what what kind of conversations were you guys having with folks at the very beginning, and you know how. Has that been a linear acceleration or do you see it just really taken off, you know, exponentially in the last little bit of time? Hmm. I mean, 191 episodes in crypto time. Like I was joking with you guys before. That's like the Simpsons, man. <laughs> it feels that way. We had a nice two year long scaling, like feels like a saga. It's like a damn soap opera. We were talking about scaling. <laughs> that's not going away. That's a that's a that's an ongoing background conversation we'll always be having. It's just the, the type of scale that we talk about will be different. But mm-hmm. like I, we we're called the Bitcoin podcast because when we started, it was just Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. And like, look at where we are now. Like, you're the blockchain beard guy. You're not the Bitcoin beard guy. It, like the, what we even call the space has changed. Like in the in in the beginning, blockchain was a bad word. It was what people said who didn't understand what was going on, because yeah, Bitcoin was it, and we were and, and the conversation was, um, when how will Bitcoin adapt to in, incorporate all of these new technological innovations that these other little side projects are doing, and that's certainly not the conversation now. It's it's not even a question of what's going to be the one blockchain. It's what blockchain will specialize in what technology to to do some offering or like how are we going to connect these blockchains? That's more along the conversation. It's it's not even a question of like how is Bitcoin going to adapt to maintain its one status? It's just like yeah, that, there's Bitcoin over there. We have Ethereum that does this. We have all of these just plethora of other options on 
what it's trying to do and whatnot, it's even going to be relevant. So now it's a matter of like just trying to keep up because the space has grown so big and you have to specialize now. And the, in the beginning, our side hustle hobby that was this podcast was enough to keep up with the entire space. We knew everything that was going on just by kind of talking to a few people and surveying what was going on in the Reddit threads and so on and so forth. And now, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, three three years ago, we were talking mainly like, oh, well, Bitcoin is this big piece of emerging markets and bringing baking the developed uh, economies. But it's it's way different than that. And like three years ago, one of our talking points was, oh, well, Apple just blocked Bitcoin apps from being available through its app store. And, mm -hmm. you know, three years later, well, how many Bitcoin related apps uh, were requested from Apple to the point where they were forced to start letting in Bitcoin apps? You know, the, the demand in the last three years has been so crazy that they've had to conform and you know, kind of give it the time. Google is now blocking advertisements on cryptocurrency. Like, it's not just Apple like blocking the one application that tried to get in. Google is Google and Facebook are saying no more advertising because, you know, of all of the the nonsense that happens with the people who are advertising this stuff, and we're just trying to keep our users safe because we don't know what the hell. I mean, think about all of the phishing attempts of people trying to take advantage of ignorance in this space. Is this you tried to go to a website and before you actually clicked on the legitimate link, there were three advertisements that were trying to fish you on Google that looked identical except for like one character in the URL in the URL. Like it's mm -hmm. those are the those are the problems we're answering is oh shit, it's got to the point where it's so easy to use or it's easy enough to use that there is a massive market of people trying to manipulate the 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 newest novice user. Whereas mm -hmm. when we started it was, you know, for the weary interacting with the technology was difficult <laughs> getting bitcoin was difficult and then using it was even more difficult and that's I certainly mean, we, not the case anymore we talked to everybody though we're t i'm talking we talked to like sex workers in estonia to how they use it how it makes their life easier to you know rappers or i i mean well so we didn't just stick to just techies we, we try to get like a general landscape of how everybody uses it or how it changes their business or how they interact with it so yeah very interesting there's a lot so more what do you think <clears throat> go ahead that long-term effect of google and facebook you know did, do they eventually back off of that does it end up hurting their business long term is it a non-issue i think they have to i mean it, if google realizes how many millions of dollars they leave on the floor by banning crypto ads they're gonna have a they're gonna have a board meeting about it on yeah. thursday <laughs> you hit the nail on the head cello it's gonna be one of those things where they're like oh it's gonna be like uh, so they're, they're gonna in june they're gonna enact this thing and then by september they're gonna go ah oh, some of these companies kind of look legit. And then by October, they're going to go like, uh, let's just be, have a stringent <laughs> process and let, let a few of these companies through. And then by October of 2019, they're going to, somebody is going to get a bonus because they were like, man, I really like your cryptocurrency advertisement policy you wrote up. You added extra $2 million to the monthly revenue stream. And they're going to go, you damn right. That's how that goes.
Be they either. There'll be a, a Reddit thread about how Google used to ban crypto, and we'll look back and be like, "Ah, I can't believe they did that." Yeah, I don't. I don't gonna, think we're going to have that conversation. Well, it depends. Like, if, if they don't keep up or change their options, there's going to be an option that that can't be censorship. That's like, that can't be censored, and mm-hmm. that's what this technology enables: is completely censorship resistant clones of what we use today, so that whatever we're operating on doesn't have the option to ban these things. Because it, it doesn't work that way. There isn't somebody that has the a power to do that. And if these massive tech companies don't keep up to change what they do, they're gonna get they're gonna get replaced. Yeah. And point blank period. I, th- I think that like that we when we see this exercise of power and that these companies have and they block something that people want, then people are gonna go where they can do that same thing that people that 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 can't happen again. Every time that we I mean, think about how torrents became a thing, and every time that the government stamped out torrenting or you know BitTorrent, then it came back much stronger, and to a point where like you can't do it the way they used to do it. Every when they shut down Napster, like all right, well, how do we do completely decentralization? And we and we saw the the increasing optimization of the technology to adapt to people trying to stop it and to a point where it can't be stopped. And now like it just gets better and better and better. And as we see centralized companies block out this decentralized technology in certain ways, the technology is going to adapt to become better to a point where like it can't be stopped. And that's the, I think that's the future of all this is that we're going to have all of these services or, or products or avenues of communication that cannot exercise that type of power. Yeah, and that's going to be that's going to be, be that's going to be a lot of cesspools of shit, and then some awesomeness yeah. too. Yeah, I guess if I could answer your question, Chris, I don't know. A lot of the interviews kind of mold together for me for a good percentage of this show. These sixteen months. I was traveling the road, so I missed a lot of interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I just missed the interviews. I was able to do the show. Um, but I guess I could say the theme of why I liked how the things have grown is that we get closer. Every guest that comes on, it seems like um, their, their uh, viewpoints on what a possible future could look like is getting a lot more defined than it was in the past. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that's that's like, a really interesting idea. There, it's it's not so ethereal anymore. People are coming and bringing defined use cases for this technology to the table and talking about specific things that are going to be done. Um, I'm going to be really really happy when somebody finally addresses the elephant in the room of we have to ch- actually change people's physical behavior to get them to adopt this technology. Um, nobody seems to see that thing, that writing on the wall. Maybe I should just do it. I don't know. I feel like I'll grab a team to do it. But people don't change or adopt a technology until they physically change their behavior. For instance, debit cards, right? Like mm-hmm. we forced ourselves to create better systems than I'm going to hand you this plastic card. You're going to take it in a back room. You're going to take this machine that's got carbon paper on it. You're going to like, this friggin' scrape this thing on top of my card 
to copy my card number and you now have my credit card number and you can plug that into your device and we have now done business sir and now it's gotten all the way to the point where we just tap our card on the screen and like those are physical behaviors that people are going through aol changed how people physically behaved with the internet you've got mail there's a button you push you sign in to push this button at the top left your mailbox looks like this you're physically changing the way people do things i don't think crypto has come up with that aha moment yet where we're changing how people are behaving on the internet to force that oh this is a new thing i have to do now like for instance it could, it could be as easy as like a button like the metamask button if you see a website that's got the fox you push the button you are now interacting with the blockchain like that's hmm. as easy as it could possibly be but i don't see anyone like just do that that's the easiest way to get people to change their behavior which is going to change their mind frame and um, I'm waiting to have a guest on that that has that simple approach to this whole space. Um, if you're listening and you're doing something like that, please come on the show. I want to talk about why you think you're here. You know. Do we know it's a simple approach while it's like, I think we don't know it's a simple approach until we reflect back. Right? Yeah, that's the, the beauty of it, though. And it's right there. You've just you got to think really, really hard. And then you find that simple behavior. Like, for instance, the MP3 player. I mean, it's a fucking hard drive. But Steve Jobs was like, <laughs> let's put some buttons on the outside of the hard drive and let people get straight to the music. And people are yeah. like, oh, my God, this is changing my life. It's a fucking hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the Zoom. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the Zoom. <laughs> but... Um, well, that's part of what Chris is trying to do, right? Like he, he said, he's he's can play he can play in the field now. He's he's witnessing this change, but instead of having to be a, a passive onlooker because he doesn't have the skill set, we have people on the field. Like, so what? How does making a product, or like, how do you do that? If you're making things, how do you, how do you make people change their lives with, or like change their behavior and interacting with this stuff from a builder standpoint? That's that's the hardest problem. Is like creating something that's like AOL was successful in getting people to change the internet because they used analogies that people were close to. You've got mail. They gave you a mailbox because that's what people thought about. Like you had to make those, those mental bridges. And that's part of the difficulty of creating projects is getting people to understand intuitively how to use this stuff the proper way with metaphors that they're accustomed to from the past. And that's, that's really difficult. Maybe it could yeah, be, you know. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, no. I, I'm sorry. No, no, we, no, no, no. I want to hear what you have to say. I, you know, I mean, it's it's frustrating to me. Uh, and this this just isn't blockchain. This has been, you know, my, my whole career in, in software architecture is when the when technical people approach a problem, like it's it's really hard for them to get beyond the technology. And that's that's just something that, you know, takes a little bit of thinking and a little bit of mental mind shift. But, you know, I, I talk to so many people who say, well, I got this, I got a project idea and here's what I want to do at a, a 50,000 foot level. And do you think Hyperledger is the right framework? And I'm like, dude, you, you haven't even told me what you want the platform to do. Like what's the value proposition to the end? You, 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 you're going to make technical decisions that then box in what you can do in the user experience, you know? And, and I think 
mm-hmm. talking about AOL, you know, that's that's a great example of someone who approached it the other way and said, what does the user experience need to be? You know, how do we draw familiar parallels to other paradigms people understand? How do we make email just like your mailbox? And so people can understand that. Like that's that's where I think we need to get with crypto is just technical folks getting beyond the technology or what I'm real big about is understand if you're not technical, if you don't write code and there's, there's a huge need for you in this space. You know, if, if you're doing marketing and branding and, and helping people understand the value proposition behind products, th- there's probably more opportunity and upside in the space for you than if, if you sling the best code on the planet. Yeah. You're not wrong there. I mean, Corey, I don't know the answer to the user experience that kind of brings people into this blockchain world. Um, I just know we haven't found it yet because we're 10 years down the line and people are still just shockingly confused about. It's like they want to be confused about well, this stuff. That's what my talk was about. I mean, it's it well, kind of it, that, that talk I gave the Bitcoin Super Conference that the last episode was it's it's this. Of course, they're confused. The infrastructure is drastically different. That has drastically different consequences on how you interact with it. You can't come to the table, think you're going to interact with blockchain the way you interact with the internet. The types of intuitions that you have will be wrong. And people automatically assume that it's going to be the same because it's digital. And it's, it's, like the, it's, it's internet-like. But you're going to, if, you, if you come to the table trying to operate that way, you're going to have a bad time. You're probably going to lose your money because things like offloading responsibility to other people have have dire consequences in blockchain. If you lose your private keys, you lose your money. And you there is no password reset button. And so creating systems that enable you to leverage blockchain properly while keeping the same user experience of the internet is really difficult because it's so drastically different. It's not the same. We're not, we're not creating the same thing. It, it allows people to do stuff, but because you have those dire consequences, you're gonna, we're going to have to rethink how we kind of think about what the human communication should be before we build the tech around it, as opposed to just yeah. adopting to the stuff we used to do in the past. And that's why we haven't seen it yet, because we're still trying to figure out ourselves. The experts in the field still don't know what the hell this thing is capable of how are we going to relay that information or build the right analogies if we don't even know to people who really don't know yeah it's good it's tough it's very tough maybe it's like a physical thing like a modem like you know how a modem kind of introduced people to the internet but i don't because we tried that with the bitcoin computer and that was a mega flop it was that tough Making college basketball bets with Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) It's good for that. Technology is good for that. Speaking of hardware wallet, you think? Um, I've I've shown people how to use hardware wallets, and it's very cumbersome for them. They get straight to the like, uh, especially with the Ledger Blue. They're like, I have to just. I have to make sure this thing doesn't fall asleep every time I'm connected to my my Ether wallet, and I'm like, yeah, it's part of the security. Yeah, we're and, walking around with hardware wallets, every single one of us. 
It's just a matter of incorporating that technology securely into the thing that everyone walks around with all day, every day. Shout out yeah. to Rivet. Do people walk around with their hardware wallets, though? Your phone. I'm talking about your phone. Your phone is a hardware wallet. It has a trusted execution environment inside of it. It's capable of doing all of the things a hardware, yeah. hardware wallet is capable of doing. We just haven't integrated it properly. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the talks at the DevCon, is leveraging the, what you call it? Trusted, the, trusted execution environment. Yeah. Trusted execution environment of these phones to just put a hardware wallet on your phone. All about trust. Are you listening, Samsung? Yeah. yeah. We should just send someone at Samsung this episode. Yeah. And then they could... Hey, guys. Give us, give us some props. Give us some kickback whenever you do this, because we gave you the yeah. idea. <laughs> Cello, right, I think you tried to. Uh, I think you tried to do an ad there. You tried to stick an an ad in there. Yeah, let, let's uh, get into our last uh, last ad, and we can wrap up. Support for today's show comes from uh, Bookmaker.eu, their premier sports book, servicing the U.S. for over thirty years, and they provide all your sports betting needs. Now they're pivoting to crypto, so you can make your college basketball picks with Bitcoin today at bookmaker.eu slash Bitcoin podcast. We have our own little uh, URL. So uh, depositing Bitcoin is fast, easy, and simple. And over 90% of bettors use Bitcoin to fund their bookmaker accounts and receive their winnings. They offer live in-progress betting on every major sporting event while uh, not just March Madness. And that allows you to wager on the game uninterrupted. Bets are graded within seconds and your winnings are credited to your account instantly. So please go to bookmaker.eu slash Bitcoin podcast today. Sign up and claim your exclusive 100% welcome bonus. That's up to $300. Bookmaker.eu slash Bitcoin podcast. Chris, how do, uh, go ahead. how do people get a hold of you, Chris? Oh, man, the, uh, probably the best way. Uh, just go to LinkedIn. Look up Blockchain Beard Guy. You'll find me. Um, there's a just awesome, awesome. I'm a little biased, but I think that's probably the, the best online community for just blockchain and uh, meeting other good, genuine people who are just pumped about technology. So I think I'm doing it wrong. That's the best way. I, I hate LinkedIn. <laughs> I think I'm just doing it wrong. Yeah, it's, I'm on, it's, it's I'm on LinkedIn and, and I can't get away from Chris's videos. So it's it's a really good viral ecosystem. People are like attracted to his videos like magnets. And so I knew about him before we even connected on there. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll give it a and shot. You reached out to me via LinkedIn. So thank you for that, Chris. Oh, no problem. Thanks for responding. Uh, yeah, if, if you guys haven't been on the, the platform lately, or anyone listening hasn't been on the platform lately, there's there's a real interesting renaissance going on there. And uh, I, I think what's interesting is, you know, every other social media platform we've seen has aged up. So the young kids start, they get their parents involved, and the grandparents sign on, and then it's not cool anymore, and they go to the next thing. You know, I, I don't know if this ends up being significant at all in the big picture, but LinkedIn is aging down. And I just think that's a really interesting kind of paradigm. Huh. That is interesting. People are getting on LinkedIn? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people you'd never think to see on there are, are starting to pop on and build communities. You know, independent recording artists, painters, writers, just everybody with a profession or side hustle. And it's really becoming an interesting community. I will parse through my messages and get back on there. Because that's, that's pretty much why I'm not getting back on LinkedIn. I don't want to go through all the friend requests that I have from people yeah, who are exactly. like hey join my ico 
You got social media well, I, anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If anyone from Microsoft is listening, by the way, you guys have Outlook. You have Exchange. Fix LinkedIn messaging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please do. All right. Actually, fix a lot of things, Microsoft. Do you want to? Uh, why don't you? Why don't you tell the folks how they can listen to us who are listening to us right now, and uh, we'll wrap this up. Oh, wait, ten words or less, too. Oh yeah, it's oh, not, yeah. sure. It's not free from that. Oh yeah, that's right. So, in ten words or less, Chris, can you describe blockchain? <sighs> um, man, ten words or less, huh? That is the challenge, sir. <laughs> uh, the future, comma, hope and excitement, exclamation point. I like it. Nice. Concise. Hope and excitement. I like it. This man knows how to talk to people. That's Go watch true. his show. <laughs> Get on LinkedIn and join him. Do you have like a, a web page and like an official show that you want to plug, Chris? And not just your LinkedIn, but... I, you know, I, I do all the vlogging on there and, uh, you know, if you hit my profile on there, I got links to YouTube where I keep all the, the, uh, past episodes, if you want to catch up and, uh, kind of trying to move on to some different platforms throughout Instagram and some others, but, uh, you know, there's, there's so many and time so limited in the day with, with everything else going on. Yeah, that is very true. Well, um, you heard there, go to LinkedIn blockchain beard guy. Um, so what do we do? Uh, as you probably know now, we are a network of shows. We started with just this show. Um, this is our flagship show. Uh, but now we have many shows. We have a show dedicated to trading called Buy or Sell What the Hell, um, where they discuss market movements. I'm also on that show. We discuss market movements. Uh, every once in a while, we'll highlight a token. Uh, we got to the point where all of the tokens charts looked exactly the same, so there was like no point. And then we also read an article that said that all the tokens do what Bitcoin does, and there's enough data out there to support that too. So watch the Bitcoin chart and make your decisions off that. Kidding. Listen to that show. <laughs> uh, what are we? What else are we doing? Um, you just said one show of like Infinity. the nine that we do. So <laughs> yeah. Crypto Till Infinity, uh, DJ NES, DJ based out of St. Louis, is, is doing a show where he kind of incorporates some blockchain speak. And to some nice smooth radio. No, I'm kidding. It's not smooth radio. It's like, I don't know. It's like, what would you say? It's like electronic hip hop? Trance? Chill hop. Chill hop. Oh, it has a genre. So it's chill hop. And um, I don't know. It's a different flavor. Like blockchain. People aren't just reading blockchain shit all the time. We know y'all listen to music sometimes. So we wanted to give you an outlet for that too. Um, I love that concept. It's a good one. Yeah. You enjoy that show. That's- that's a cello special right there. That's a uh, cello brainchild in the wild. How are you liking how your baby's growing up, cello? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't give you all the credit because it's DJ and S's show. <laughs> but I know you and him work. I'll take hand it. Hand on it. I'll Call take me. all of his credit. <laughs> um, um, and then don't forget uh, creating a humanist blockchain future with the ETH Denver uh, organizer himself. New episode this week with yep. uh, Robin Hansen. Um, An Ethereum more. podcast coming out from Evan Van Ness. He talks about everything Ethereum. Loves it. 
Uh, so you should have a show coming out pretty soon. A Week in Ethereum is a newsletter that most of you listening now are probably familiar with. Uh, you may or may not be familiar with uh, Evan Vanessa's podcast on our network. Whenever that comes, it usually gets a great response uh, because Evan does a good job of handpicking his guests um, to bring very detailed information on the show. Uh, I have a show called Unwrapped with D, which has grown in its scope a little bit, but it used to be about me. Uh, well, recently it hasn't been about this, but uh, I like to bring newbies onto the Bitcoin crypto space, ask them some questions. They ask me some too. Um, announcements, of course, which is our QVC channel of the network. New projects in the space, building stuff. They want to talk to you guys. You can go listen to their announcements. Um, damn, we do a lot of things. Okay. You try to say it all at once. You might have missed one. <laughs> might have even missed oh, one. Up? I missed one? Uh, nope, you didn't. No, think, you didn't. I got them all. Yeah. I have one coming out soon. Soon I'm really TM. I'm about that one, actually. It's going really to be more technical. It's for a technical audience. It's for developers, people who want to get into the weeds of the problems with the solutions that we're coming up with, why they don't scale, what we're trying to do to fix that. And talking to the people who are building these things and getting the, the dirt on the problems that they're facing while they try to build these things to try to figure out um, what we're doing and how we're going and what we need to do to get there. Yep. Not for GPPs. Huge nope. white space. Thanks yeah. for filling that. I, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why I started the podcast. This is I wanted to talk to people who are trying to do this stuff to figure out what their motivation was and how they're doing it and, and what the issues are behind getting it done. And um, they're, I, I want to do it more. And like, yeah. I don't know. Like the, the, this is more of a fun laid back conversational philosophical show and um yeah. we want to keep bringing that that type of material as well but i have an itch that i need to scratch and i plan to scratch it i like uh i think Corey, you had a one word response and me and Joe were like yeah we're gonna interview little b and you're like no todd i want to talk to him yeah um, we have a nice daily show coming up too for you guys. It's going to be daily, like five minute quips on new technological advancements, just period. Uh, but it's going to be designed to kind of spark your curiosity for the day. So if you want to just log in, you'll see, we'll have a new episode. It's a little five minute show. Um, and sometimes it'll be about a blockchain, uh, facing tech. Sometimes it won't be. Um, but we just thought you guys could use a daily dose of awesome from the network. So that'll be starting up, uh, at the end of next week. Um, Corey's got some half written blogs. We had this grand idea about a choose, choose your own adventure blogs with Corey's half written blog. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me what I've tried about how to, how do I finish this guys? Um, I can't really think of anything else we do off the top of my head. That's Am good I, enough. It's a long episode. Hit us up on Twitter. Yeah. Hit us up on Twitter and join Slack. I thought I was working hard till I just heard the last five minutes. Wow. It's, we turned it's the side a, hustle into a big thing. <laughs> it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a job now that we have outside of our other jobs. Well, it's, it's yeah, tantamount to have a hobby. 
we don't know how to hobby. So she says, no, no. We're not good at hobbying. <laughs> we did it wrong. <laughs> um, uh, you guys are doing doing awesome stuff. I'm so grateful for people like you out spreading the word. Well, we like what you do too, and uh, you know, let's 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 keep ties. Let's keep in touch. Have Absolutely. you ever heard of been... Sir Notorious B.I.G. Chris? He's got a song. I've heard that name once or twice. Tell your friends, you know, my friends, like yeah, man, like have your community join our community. They could talk. We have a community. They like to talk about techie stuff all the time. Our our Slack is mostly we're either talking about like superheroes or really digging deep into some development slash tech. Just it gets pretty deep in there pretty fast. So I love that. We've got a Slack. Um, join the Slack if you're listening if you, and you haven't joined it yet. Um, or just be a general pur- purpose person if you want to do that then um, well that's it uh, shout out to Zoe Saldana you the best play 